Ministry Mentorship, Episode 8. Hello and welcome to this episode of Ministry Mentorship. This is Jacob Tapia and you're listening to a podcast dedicated to connecting apostolic leaders with young ministers for the purpose of helping them develop in their ministries. In this episode, we're going to be talking with evangelist Bobby Wade. Brother Wade is a gifted evangelist who has been mightily used by God. Brother Wade has spoken a word of faith into my life on multiple occasions and I know that he will be an encouragement to you during this interview. I was able to talk with him recently during one of our revivals, and I invite you to join the conversation as we talk about what God is doing in the last days of the church. Okay, we're here today with Brother Bobby Wade, and he and his wife Jody have been married for 17 years. They have a daughter, uh, Madison, who's eight years old. And Brother Wade has been preaching for 20 years. He's been evangelizing for the last 10 years. Uh, he's based out of Brother White's church in Silsby, Texas, and is just a tremendous evangelist. We've we've had him at our church a couple of times, and and uh, we're just honored to have him joining us today. Uh, Brother Wade, thank you for agreeing to do this. Thank you for so much for having us. What are you feeling? You've got your ear to the ground. What what's happening today? Well, I really believe that at this very moment we are really obviously seeing a push for the coming of the Lord, seeing uh, Bible prophecy fulfilled at a rapid rate. Uh, however, I, I believe while everybody else is, a lot of folks that is um, believing for doom and gloom, I, I believe that this is the greatest hour for the church and believe that the church is not going down, but that the church is going to be triumphant in this end time. As an evangelist, you've been evangelizing for 10 years. When you go into a church, what what do you feel like is your role? When you walk into that church and you're saying, you know what, this is what I'm, I have in my mind, what's that role that you feel like you play when you come into a church? That's a very good question. I believe that uh, the role that that I have is to build faith, to transmit faith, to help people believe for the miraculous, that they can uh, have people get the Holy Ghost in their churches at any, on any service, every service, if they will believe that and expect that. So <clears throat> my role when I come into a church is I want God to put the heart of that church in my hands so that I can effectively minister to the heart of that church. I'm not there just to preach sermons. I'm not there just to sermonize. I'm there to allow God to transmit something to their spirits that causes them to believe that what he said to them is going to come to pass. So I truly believe that I am a man of faith, that I transmit that faith, and I believe that it is his will, God's will, for us to see miracle signs and wonders 
in this end time. Talk to the young person that right now that is, they're, they're in their local church and they're, they feel like God's leading them into ministry. How can they help you as an evangelist coming into their church to minister? How can they help you to prepare for an evangelistic type service? Well, I first of all believe that, you know, prayer is the main key. I believe that you, we, we must pray, find the mind of God, seek God for, to find that place where we can, um, our hearts can be expecting something uh, from God. Um, as a young man, I believe that you have to create an atmosphere. You know, things don't happen on accident. So as a young man that is uh, trying their best to prepare for that, I really believe that there not only prayer, but there must be an expectation. Something's got to click in your spirit that you're expecting something to happen. And then you you operate based on that expectation. You worship based on that expectation. So the some of the biggest things are going to be really in our mindset, the way we approach that, how we, the attitude that we come with. Is that what you're saying? Yes, sir. Now, when you because because the Bible says in uh, Hebrews eleven, <clears throat> he said, "For without faith it is impossible to please God, and he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him." So your attitude has to be that when I approach God, I believe that He has what I need. And he is going, not only does he have what I need, but he's going to supply that need. So yes, your mindset and your attitude towards what's going to happen in that service plays a huge role. What, was, what are some experiences that have proved that for you in your own personal life, in your own personal ministry? I think one of the, one of the earliest that comes to my mind, I was at a service one time and... I was struggling financially and I was, I had just put my last bit of money in the tank, in my gas tank to travel and knowing that there was no way that I, if God did not come through, that I wasn't going to be able to get to the next place. And I was sitting in the service and a gentleman was talking about the joy of the Lord. And the Holy Ghost spoke to me and said, turn to Nehemiah 8 and 10. And of course, that is a scripture that references the joy of the Lord is your strength. And when I opened up my Bible, laying in that Bible was a $50 bill that I did not put there Um course uh at that point in time i didn't hide money from myself uh and i don't think anybody hides money from themselves especially in this day and age but it was that 
it was that one of those early, early experiences that cemented in my mind that not only can he, but he's going to. He's going to. Because he's faithful. Yeah. He's faithful. And so that really, I'm just sitting here talking about that, that cemented, that cemented in my mind that it don't matter what I'm going through. It don't matter what any individual is going through. He can make a way out of no way. Amen. You know, there's so many, so many times, especially in the, in the early ministry years when we're, when we're really seeking God and in trying to find, maybe we feel a broad, I guess I would say picture of, you know, I want to be involved in ministry or I want to do something for the Lord, but we don't really have a specific vein, so to speak, or a specific area that we feel like we're going to be involved in, but yet we're very open and we're, we're seeking God with a tender spirit and a broken heart. Talk about that and how that, how does that play a role in our development? Well, I, I don't know if it works the same for everybody. Um, I know for me, the Lord put uh, the ministry of an evangelist in my spirit at a young age while I was 14, 15 years old. And God just burned that in my spirit. I just knew that's, I knew that's what God was calling me to be. And then I began to, of course, stay submitted to my pastor. I stay submitted to men that were over me. And, and God proved that out. As I was being faithful, he proved out that that was the calling on my life. And uh, again, I can't articulate that for everybody else because God deals with individuals differently. However, I know that when once God put that in my spirit, I, I had... I didn't look right or left. I didn't look at other possibilities. I didn't have a plan B. I began to push for that. And God began to develop things, began to open doors, began to bring men into my life that could help shape me and help develop those giftings in my life. And so... God was very gracious in the fact that he caused me to be surrounded by men that could help me further recognize and articulate the call of God that was on my life. So you feel like it was, you feel like God had birthed something inside of you. Yes, sir. But that over the process of time, God used people in your life and, and experiences that you had and obviously your relationship with God to develop that ministry. Yes, sir. And you've talked uh, strongly in some of our conversations about the role of the mentor, the pastor relationship in your life. Why is that? Why, are you, why do you feel so strongly about that 
that particular aspect of your ministry? I feel so strongly about that, Brother Tapia, because we live in a generation that um, in, in a lot of ways, we live in a generation that doesn't, that does not respect that. They somehow believe that they can be anointed on their own and that they can, or they can be anointed by their buddies or their friends. But the fact of the matter is the Bible bears out over and over and over again that true anointing flows down. And I can honestly say that if I haven't, if I hadn't been submitted to a man of God and I had not had the covering that I had uh, at very critical times in my life, I wouldn't even be in ministry today. And I am so, so adamant and so, so solid on the fact that you, you can, you can't be an island to yourself. You have to have somebody that you answer to. You have to have somebody that can put their finger on you and they have veto power in your life. It's not just, it's, it's easy to let say, um, I got a covering uh, over my life. That's one of my buddies that'll agree with everything that I say, but we need somebody in our lives. That's an elder that, or, uh, that's a pastor. That's a bishop in our lives that can say, no, that's not the way to go. And because of that, Brother Tapia, I, I sit here today, I sit here knowing that I have a man of God that prays for me every day. I have a man of God that covers me. And every time I walk to a pulpit, that anointing that flows from him flows onto my life. And without that, we'll, we'll never do anything truly effective in the kingdom. I think that's probably one of the reasons why many times, especially young ministers, uh, it's kind of the crash and burn where we have a fast takeoff, but yet we don't have the roots really developed to sustain us. And I think I think the pastor, the role of our pastor and a mentors in our life is a part of that, uh, is having that network, having that foundation in our lives to speak to us, uh, maybe not just when we're down, but when things are going good. Sometimes success has killed more people than failure has. Yes, sir. How do we develop that, that mentor-pastor relationship? You know, maybe there's a young man who's 19, 20, maybe a young lady that they're thinking, okay, you know, we're talking about the past or we're talking about having mentors in my life. How do I find that? How do I develop that with my pastor or with other people that I feel like I need to have in my life? Well, I think the first thing that come to my mind as you was saying that uh, we, we've got to get this we really have to get this American idol mentality out of the church. 
In other words, we got to stop looking around for the next big opportunity. And we, we've got to, we got to learn loyalty. We, I mean, we, we live in a generation that, you know, we have, I call it more or less the um, stepbrother syndrome in the church. In other words, we step on each other until we get what we want. And so there's no loyalty anymore, hardly to anybody. And so I think, first of all, we have to ask God to give us a loyalty to, our, to the man of God and to the things of God. Uh, you know, Elisha had to walk with Elijah um, probably many years. He didn't know what he was going to get out of that. He, the, the Bible said he poured water on the hands of the man of God. My pastor told me, he said, he said, Bobby, my position is fixed. And he said, so you decide how close or how far away you want to get. And when he said that to me, I made up my mind that I wanted to, I wanted to be under that umbrella. When the anointing came down, when the anointing flows down, I want to be as close to that as I possibly can get. And to develop that, you, you, have, to be, you have to ask God to give you, as a young person, you have to ask God, God, give me the vision of my pastor. Give me the vision he has. Help me, God, put on me the same heartbeat that he has. And give me loyalty and, and give me a heart to be loyal to the man of God. What's something that has really helped you in ministry? Something that, that one of your mentors or pastors spoke into your life that has helped you in the ministry journey that you've been in? I really, really believe one of the most important things pretty much goes back to uh, the last thing that we talked about as far as being loyal. And, and you know, there was a time in my life I didn't understand apostolic authority. I didn't understand um, the things that was associated with that. And because of that, I, I just went through and, you know, kind of was nonchalant. But God put people in my life because I was submitted and because I was willing to be submitted and, and, take, and take correction. I, I honestly believe that if you're going to go somewhere in ministry, one of the most important things that I've learned is to learn how to take correction and not get bitter about it. Because if you can take correction and you keep a right spirit and you're willing to change and be teachable, you can go anywhere in God you want to go. I think sometimes we, we underestimate that aspect of our life, of our, of our development. And uh, we think even as a, you know, a baby in our ministry, 
that we can run when sometimes we should be walking and listening and growing and developing who we are as a person and even uh, even in the church on a local level, being involved. There's nothing, there's nothing that can help us prepare more for what's out there than doing what's in here right now, what I can do. Uh, talk about some of those things. What can someone do right now, a young person that says, look, you know, I want to preach. Uh, I feel like God's calling me to preach. I feel like God's calling me to teach. What can they do right now to get involved in their local church? I remember when I told uh, my pastor I was called to preach. I was right around 15 years old. And his his reply to me was, that's great. And he said, I'll see you at the church on Saturday. And so I'm thinking, man. That wasn't what you wanted to hear, was it? <laughs> no. No, it was not. Because, well, I mean, he kind of tricked me at first because I thought we're going to sit around and talk about the Bible until he showed me where the lawnmower was and where the toilet brushes were and all of that. So, you know, David learned how to keep sheep and tend sheep uh, before he ever saw the battlefield to slay the giant. And so you got to be willing to serve and you got to make yourself available to serve. And you got to have the right motives when you serve. Now, I'll be honest with you. I came over on that first Saturday to the church. (laughs) I thought it was, you know, uh, I thought it was going to be, you know, we was going to learn how to put together sermons and all that (laughs) stuff. Yeah. Well, I got a shock of my life when I was out there sweating and pushing the lawnmower. And, uh, but those were things that shaped me and, and I, I realized right then and there, this wasn't going to be a fast track to the glory road. This wasn't going to be, uh, you know, in other words, you, if you're going to go up, you got to learn how to go down. Absolutely. You got to learn how to go down. And Jesus said, he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. At least the word of God says that. And, and, and that's countercultural. I mean, in, in our culture, and you already mentioned the, the superstar, you know, being on stage, everybody giving their best. It's, we're, we're coming into a more of a performance-driven society. And, and that's not necessarily scriptural. No, sir, it's not. And we've seen many people make shipwreck trying that it, it it didn't work out it didn't work out and if you think it worked if people thinks it works out just tell them to ask Balaam because he's getting paid he's being offered money to you know prophesy and do all this but there are many people that tried to take that superstar route, but it didn't work. 
It did not work. And they made shipwreck. And they made disasters of their lives. And they didn't have to. They didn't have to. But when I believe the enemy presents every individual that is serious about the things of God, I believe he presents them with an opportunity to sell out and to take the easy way out. I believe that with all of my heart. And it's at that moment that they have to make a choice. Am I going to uh, take the easy road or am I going to allow God to mold me on the road of suffering? You know, suffering is not a, an easy thing to deal with, but it is one of the tools, I believe, that God uses to develop us. And, and share with us a little bit about some of those times of suffering. I know you've, you've shared with us before about how God used the situation with your son, and talk to us a little bit about that. Well... Brother Tapia, losing my son was probably one of the darkest hours. It was the darkest, one of the darkest hours of our lives. Um, my wife carried my son for nine months. Um, and my, my son was born, and, and when he was born, he had no lungs and no kidneys. And he lived for 40 minutes and he took his last breath in my arms and I watched my son struggle for 40 minutes as his lips uh, turned blue and as his little chest sunk way in and I desperately wanted I desperately wanted to do everything I could do to save him and there was nothing I could do. And I remember, uh, I remember, like it was yesterday, I was laying in the, my mom and dad's living room floor. And I was just meditating on God. I didn't know what to do. I was a, I was a young man. I, I had never gone through anything like that. And, but I can tell you that as I lay on that living room floor, God spoke to me and he said, I want you to know that nothing has come into your life that hasn't come through my hands first. And so we are, so one of the things that that taught me was that no matter what he allowed me to go through, that he was going to give me the grace to go through it. And that after he tried me, after the molding and the shaping of it all, we was going to come forth and we was going to be a vessel of honor. Pressure is God's way you see, the Bible said the wilderness, he, he basically allowed those children of Israel to go through the wilderness to prove what was in them. 
it, it wasn't he, he was cruel. It wasn't that God was getting, uh, you know, a heyday out of them suffering. But they went through that wilderness to prove what was in them. And all the things that I've gone through, my son, my, my son dying, and then my wife having uh, four other miscarriages, we lost a total of five children. And one after another, after another, after another. You, we didn't see it immediately, but we could begin to see the hand of God shaping our lives. I, I believe it's in those moments that ministries are shaped. It's in those moments where we yield to that. And we allow God, is it easy? Absolutely not. Did we cry? Absolutely. Did it cause us to go through, to, through times where we wondered, where is God? And, and God, why am I going through this? Absolutely. I imagine Job felt the same way when he lost everything. But Job said, I know that when he has tried me, I shall come forth as pure gold. And so those events, and it wasn't just that. I, I, I could sit here uh, and for hours and talk about experience after experience after experience. But I am a firm believer that it has shaped those sufferings, those, uh, those moments have shaped who I am today as a man of God. When closing, I'd like you to just take a minute and, and pray for that young person. Pray for that young man or young lady that maybe they're in that shaping period in their life right now where God is shaping them, God is molding them, and, and dealing with their heart about things. And, and, and maybe... Maybe some of them are in a painful time right now. Maybe they're not. Uh, but they're seeking God for their ministry, and they're trying to move forward and believe in God for great things in their life. Whether, whether they're suffering now or later, it's going to happen. But pray for that person right now, and, and let's, let's ask God to, to help them to stay humble before God and to, to do what you did to, to to turn to the Lord in that time. I'm I'm going to pray, but I want to, Brother Tapia, it's, I want to say this before I pray. Don't count on being used of God if you're not prepared to suffer. You are going to go through the process you may not go through losing a son. You may your life may not be a carbon copy of somebody else's. But I want to say to that young man or young lady that's listening to this interview, you will 
go through suffering. We made a statement, or we talked about just a few moments ago, about the importance of mentors and covering in your life. I am a firm believer that what you're not willing to learn from people or through elders, you're going to have to learn through pain. But make no mistake about it. Pain is unavoidable. Suffering is unavoidable. But you hear this today. You listen to me on this interview. And I will tell you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that he will come through and that he will make a way out of no way and that when he has tried you, you shall come forth as pure gold. Jesus, I thank you for this opportunity. I pray for that young man or that young woman. I pray for that young couple that would listen to this interview that is going through uh, that suffering period or that period of uncertainty. That that moment where it seems like all everything is against them. And they don't know which way to turn, whether it be the right hand or the left hand. They don't know uh, <clears throat> what's around the corner. I ask you, Jesus, to minister to them right now. I pray that you would give them the strength to stay the course. To stay in the process. I pray for that young person right now. That that <clears throat> that young couple, that young man, that young lady, that at this very moment, their life is full of uncertainty. Jesus, you gave me direction. I pray that you would give that to them. I ask you to loose upon them faith in you and your word. I ask you, O oh God, to cause something to rise up in them that they would not accept defeat, but they would persevere and that they would push and they would stay on the course until you are through with them. In the name of Jesus, God, I pray that you would anoint every individual that listens to this interview and that you would bless them that you would bless them when they go in and when they come out that you would bless them in the basket in the field in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ in Jesus name Amen Amen well thank you brother Wade for joining us today and being a part of this and thank you for that prayer and uh, we just believe in God for great things and pray that God will 
be with you, and I know those of you that hear this interview uh, will pray for the Wade family. They're evangelizing and doing a great work for the Lord, and I know they covet your prayers, and I know that I wish you would just take a minute right now and just say a prayer over them. Pray that God will keep them safe on the road. They're traveling full-time, and uh, that God will just provide for them and be with them. Brother Wade, thank you so much for being with us. It's been an honor. It's been an honor. Thank you so much.